The Tennessee Titans fell 20-16 to in Pittsburgh against the Steelers on Thursday Night Football, but Will Levis looks like a franchise quarterback, maybe even a potential superstar at the position. We're going to break it all down now. This is the Music City Audible. Let's get to it. I mean, losing sucks, um, especially at this level. You know, it's just so hard to win games, and when you got an opportunity like that to win it at the end, it doesn't happen. It makes it feel a whole lot worse, but I mean, credit to them. They made the plays when they needed to, and we didn't. Uh, Got to get back to work. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast brought to you by Broadway Sports Media in partnership with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver, back home in my real setup with my Rangers sweatshirt on, World Series champs, baby. Let's go. As always, I'm joined by Justin Mello. Justin, how are you doing? Doing well, man. It's nice to have you back home. I'll tell you that much. You, know, you were the one recording from hotel rooms and all that, and we were kind of on the fly there for a little bit, but it's nice to have you back home. We can settle into more of our routine schedule, which is good for us. It's yeah. good for our viewers, our listeners and all that. And lots of cover here, in my opinion. I got a lot of thoughts from this loss to the Steelers, which I think, as you said, doesn't feel as bad, maybe, as a typical loss, because I, I was personally very encouraged by what I saw from Will Levis in his second career start. So certainly more of a glimmer of hope than most Titans losses, certainly more so than any Titans loss this year, right? Cause this is Will Levis' yeah. first loss, obviously. So certainly feeling the best I have felt all year about a loss and I'm excited to get into it with you. Yeah. So let's talk here. We're going to talk on this pod implications of this loss, what this means for the rest of the season. And we're definitely going to dive deep on Will Levis's performance, his second career start, talk about some of the injuries the Titans are battling. And then before we close this thing out, we're going to talk about some of the baffling coaching decisions, play calls. I don't know. Not sure exactly who to pin the blame on, whether it goes to Tim Kelly, Mike Vrabel combination, everything they ultimately falls at the feet of Mike Vrabel. So that's where we'll end up with getting in that discussion, but we'll save that for the end. Let's start with the implications here. So the Titans fall to three and five. They're uh, falling back in the division. Jags have won, what, five straight games? Like, looking like the team that's going to win the AFC South. Now, we saw last year, things can change. Titans were 7-3, and three, and they went on to lose every game for the rest of the year. So, you know, something similar in theory could happen to the Jags. But I'm not banking on it. I'm not... My hopes for this Titans no. team being a playoff contender are diminishing with every passing week. And at this point in the year, I think the most you can hope for... I'm not saying root for your team to lose because I want Will Levis to look good. I want him to lead some game-winning drives. I want him to lead some, some, have some awesome moments and be, you know, look like a great quarterback. But ultimately, this team's not going anywhere this year. We've said this a couple of times, you know, dating back to week three. Like we've been talking about this for a long time when we were saying the Titans needed to make this quarterback change. They finally seem to have made it, although Mike Vrabel will not commit to Will Levis being the starter. He said he'll let the media know on Tuesday who's going to be the starting quarterback against the Buccaneers in Week 10. Um, and we'll update you more when we get that info for our preview pod looking at the Bucks. When we'll, we're going to get back to our routine, like you said. We're going to bring a guest on for that one. So we'll get to that later in the week. It's kind of frustrating that he hasn't named Will Levis the starter, but I think we all kind of know that he will be. And if he's not, then we can get our pitchforks out and riot. But let's talk about, like I said, implications here. I don't know, Justin, like, what do you make of where this team is at this season? And what are the goals for the rest of the way? Well, there's, you know, it, it might be strange to say this, but I'm going to, I'll be honest with you. And there's a lot of football left and that's why it might sound strange, but I think you're probably in the same place that I am. I, I think any dwindling hopes I had of them potentially making the playoffs essentially evaporated after, you know, Thursday's loss in all honesty. I mean, just looking at the bigger picture, 
I, I think I talked about it last episode. If you beat this team, you know, they're in a wild card spot being the Steelers. You've got the tiebreaker over them. Well, you didn't beat them, right? You're, they're, they're what, five and three now, I think. You're three and five. Yep. They have the tiebreaker over you. The Cleveland Browns have the tiebreaker over you. They're in the mix for that. What I'm essentially considering the seventh and final playoff spot, because I'm giving that fifth spot to the Bills or Dolphins, whoever doesn't win the division. I'm giving that sixth spot to the Ravens or Bengals, whoever doesn't win the division. And now that seventh spot, you know, you got two teams in the mix that have already beaten you. The Steelers and the Browns, they got better record than you. They hold the tiebreaker over you. The Chargers might get into that mix. Yeah, you hold the tiebreaker over them, but... I essentially have no hopes left to be honest that this team could yeah. make the playoffs. It, it all but evaporated. So what are the goals for the rest of the way? I, I, I think you said it. And I think, and I feel the exact same way. Um, it's for Will Levis to look like a, a future franchise quarterback, a starting quarterback, a guy that you can build around in the off season when you're going to have, you know, a hundred million dollars in space uh, in cap space that is, and you've got a first round pick and you've got a second round pick and, and you don't have a third, unfortunately, maybe a trade down from one of those picks, move back, pick up an extra. There, there'll be you know time for those discussions when it comes, but you've got some picks that you could build around them. You've got a lot of cap space. You want them to look like that guy that you could go all in because there's a very good chance. And, uh, and right now I feel really good about where he is, that this supporting cast is going to look very, very different. Uh, next year right with all the money in the picks you could you know in theory you, you hit on a couple of your decisions you could build a pretty damn good supporting cast around him and in my opinion if he is who we think he is you can get right back to contention you know right back to playoff contention yeah. in 2024 I don't think that's far-fetched at all you know if, if, if you know if, if things go well and you don't even need them in all honesty it doesn't need to be one of those miracle off seasons right like we talked about I think going into this season we said if they hit on you know the, the whole offensive line all that yes you know it, it, it's similar maybe to a degree but the point is you're gonna have a lot more resources right to do that right they didn't have a lot of cap space heading into this season Right. They were they're sort of hamstrung by, you know, the Tannehill contract, the Derrick Henry contract, even the Kevin Byard contract. Potentially none of those are going to be on the books next year. They're all scheduled to come off. I say potentially because I, I still wouldn't be stunned if they re-signed Derrick Henry, who I think looks really good um, at a reasonable yeah. price. But the point is, you're going to have a lot of money to do what you want to do around Will Levis. So the goal for the rest of this year is for him to keep looking good right now. He's got one outstanding game and one really good performance in my opinion and zero bad performances right so you want to keep stacking that in in the left hand side of that column you want to keep him looking good and look if he could if he could look good on Thursday with how that situation played out with the offensive line being as putrid as it was uh, so, you know, injuries up there, uh, you're changing things up. Three reserve linemen played in this game. They played a total of eight offensive linemen. You know, you lose Traylon Burks to a scary injury. I know that was late and Burks wasn't playing well. The point is you dealt with a lot of adversity throughout this game and you still looked really good as the quarterback. So I've got a lot of hope that that's going to continue being the case. That's the goal in my book is for Will Evans to keep looking good and uh, yeah, and I agree, you know, I don't want them to lose every game here on out. I, I don't want them to, I, I know, you know, you want to quote unquote tank, get a better pick, yada, yada. But I, I want them to build some confidence. I want him to lead some of those game winning drives. He said, I want him to have some games like he had on Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons, you know, where he goes out and throws three or four right. touchdowns and yeah. they win in exciting fashion. I, I don't think that's really going to hurt this. Look, especially now, and I knock on wood, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but especially now that we're not talking about tanking for a quarterback, right? You're not talking yeah. about potentially drafting Caleb Williams or Drake May. 
I want them to win, two, you know, two, three, four more games, whatever it is, and let them have those moments. Let them go into next year with a ton of confidence. You're still going to be in a position to draft someone that could help him right away. Again, you'll be in a position to sign a bunch of guys that can help him right away. So, no, I don't want to lose every game from here on out. And uh, we, we've agreed the playoffs are probably not within reach. But let them go out there and have some franchise quarterback moments. That, that are, That's the goals for the rest of the year. I totally agree with that. I think there's like two pads, maybe even three, if you want to split the middle here that we could, this season could take, and they're all good. Either the Titans are really, really bad, injuries continue to derail them, which we're going to get into in a second, and they lose the majority of the rest of their games. They end up with a really high draft pick, and then you're faced with a Joe Burrow-esque Bengals-style decision in the first round. Do you get Will Levis a weapon like Jamar Chase or a tackle like Panay Sewell? That was the Bengals uh, conversation this year. It'll be like Marvin Harrison Jr., Keon Coleman versus Joe Alt or Ola Fashu. We'll learn Sorry. how to say that name later. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think, you know, that's one path and that's not a bad path. You get a really high draft pick. The other one is Will Levis wins you ga- more games than you expect and he ends up fighting for a playoff spot. Even if it's just the end of season experience to fight for a playoff spot and the Titans come up short, yeah. that's great experience for him. Or, God forbid, they win enough games, they sneak into the playoffs, and Will Levis, gets that ex- <laughs> Will Levis gets that experience of actually starting a playoff game that, you know, the Titans will be underdogs in if he somehow were to win it. Like, there's just a lot of different ways that this could go, and, it, and it's all good for the Titans. And then there's the middle path where they end up like 8 and 9, don't compete for the playoffs. Although 8 and 9 probably competes for the playoffs. Um, <laughs> 7 and 10, don't compete for the playoffs, and you end up with a mid, you know, late teens draft pick. But that's fine, too. You know, as long as he has those, that means he won a few games in there. And that's what we're, we're looking for is for him to have some of those moments. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be eight and nine. I'll come out and say that right now. I'm expecting they'll be Me worse neither. than that. I think, you know, six and 11, seven and 10 at best. But I'm thinking more of six and 11 type record. I, I do want to comment on the injuries, the offense. You know, actually, no, before I get into that. Can we talk about maybe highlight some of the throws he made that impressed you? Because I've probably yeah. forgotten some already, but there, there's obviously that first and 23 shot to DeAndre Hopkins from his own end zone was probably the tightest window throw he made all game. Uh, that was, I, I, mean, I, I that... couldn't believe they picked up that first down on first and 23 oh, yeah. from their own end zone. I would call that the most pinpoint dart dot that he sure. threw in this game, like the most accurate perfect ball placement pass right over the linebacker who had his back turned to him, which is like great recognition, take advantage of that. And then Hopkins, you know, right in Hopkins hands, allowing him to run after the catch that he could pick up. I think what I realized in this game with Will Levis starting is that getting backed up behind the sticks used to be for this Titans team. That's it. The drive is over with Will Levis. He converted that first and 23 later in the game. He converted a third and 13 with all like instant pressure right up the middle and throwing it sort of like just flicking the wrist with his lower body being tackled by a defensive player. It wasn't the most accurate pass, but you had an open receiver. So he just kind of laid it out there for Nick Westbrook-Akina to go get it. Like it didn't like hit him on the run and allow him to keep catching and run. But the fact that he's able to. Absolutely great play. The fact that he's able to navigate the pressure and then get the ball out and throw a catchable ball to his receiver to convert a third and 13 and keep the drive alive. On a, pl- on a drive where they, I don't remember if he got sacked before that or if there was a penalty that backed them up, but whatever it is, you get behind the sticks like that. When Ryan Tannehill was a quarterback of this team, even when they were good, 2019, 2020, even yeah. when they were good, it felt like if you're backed up behind the sticks, that's it for the drive. And with Will Levis, it's like, no problem, man, I can convert this. So those were two of the most impressive plays. The two to Kyle Phillips um, that came later in the game, I think right before halftime, 
those were awesome throws, throwing it down the seam, up the sideline, like great plays to Kyle Phillips. And then the one that impressed me the most was, I think it was a second down. Levis is identifying the coverage before, and right before the snap, he he reads the blitz and Kirk Herbstreit called this out on the broadcast, but yes. Levis identifies the blitz, comes up to the line of scrimmage, changes the protection, has the offensive line slide protection. It's like that guy's blitzing. I know he's going to blitz. Block the left side. I can see this blitzer. Make sure no one comes from my blind side. Let that blitzer through, and I'm going to hit the hot right over his head yep. for a, a nice pickup. That was the most impressive play to me because— Was that the one to Traylon Burks? Yeah, that was it the was. one to Traylon Burks. That was his hot. And I, I I was super disappointed Burks didn't break that tackle, in all Agreed. honesty. Agreed. Like like in a that, one-on-one that situation on the sideline. Burks might score if he breaks that tackle. Yeah, and that play only went for two yards, and it wasn't like an awesome display of Will Levis's arm talent or anything else that we've seen. But the recognition, pre-snap that, recognition, yeah, right. The the and the fact that he is in command at the line of scrimmage on the other side of the ball, the mics on the TNF broadcast are amazing because you can hear so much of what the players are saying on the field. And I don't know if anyone else out there listening or watching noticed this, but Kenny Pickett basically doesn't identify anything. He calls out like the cadence. And you have the center, the Steelers center is calling out who's the mic, what the protection shifts are. On the other side of the ball, Will Levis is calling everything. He has complete command of the offense at the line of scrimmage, canning plays, audibling routes. In the no huddle, he's like giving the hand signs to like what the routes are going to be. He's He is in full control for a rookie in his second start. That is incredibly impressive. And that's what gives me so much like confidence in him moving forward. Agreed. Obviously... The arm talent is amazing, and his ability to navigate a lot of pressure in this game, which we're going to get to in a second, is was awesome to see, too. And one of the biggest knocks on him was navigating pressure in college and not feeling the, the rush coming from behind him. And yeah, he took four sacks in this game, but in one second, I want to talk about the pressure numbers from this game. So we're <laughs> going to get to that. Hang on. Um, but so taking four sacks is what it is. There was one play in the red zone where he, he bailed too soon, and he would have had Hopkins for a touchdown. And... He, we literally, it looked like one of the plays that we broke down with Liam Cohen. Only when we broke it down yeah. with Liam Cohen, he like ran through four tackles and dove into the end zone. And in the NFL, that that's not quite as to easy do. to do. <laughs> so, um, didn't didn't work out that way. But just a couple little mistakes that I think are pretty correctable and definitely rookie mistakes. But the most impressive throws were impressive, and the the recognition pre snap to, to see what's going on and just commanding the whole offense. Man, this kid, this kid is good. I agree. And look, it's the same thing I said last week. Remember when we talked about all the touchdowns and I, I pointed out all the little things that, that I did. And I said the same thing you said. I said, what gives me hope is not just the arm strength. Because, you know, there's another quarterback on this roster that has arm strength, but can't read a defense, right? In all honesty. And that, that'll, right. do, that'll do you in, right? Like that, that'll, that'll, that'll write you off, essentially. So, but with him, it's the, it's the pre-snap recognition, the command, the ability to, you know, making the checks at the line of scrimmage, calling audibles and getting them into good situations. And, and I agree. That's why right now I'm feeling probably more confident than I should be through two starts because, yeah, the arm talent blows me away. But when you pair that with a guy that can command an offense and read defense pre and post snap and make throws under pressure and, and is, you know, even escape pressure, because I think he's athletic enough to do it that's when I start to get really excited, right? Because it's more than just pure arm strength. But you brought up a bunch of throws. Those are the throws I wanted to highlight. And can I say, I think his biggest achievement in this game is making Kyle Phillips look like an NFL wide receiver again. Because that's the first time Phillips has looked like that since week one of last season. Yeah, and Kyle Phillips has been like, if you look at their people post this stuff on Twitter, like the separation chart and the average separation per round, and like Kyle Phillips has been open all season. He's just not been getting the ball. And all season, how many Will games Levis- he played? 
Well, when he has played this season, he's been getting up. I mean, he's been averaging like 2.9 yards for separation or something. He's been a, a way above average in the average separation per route run. And he was open a lot in this game. And a couple of the throws that Levis made, he wasn't really that open. It was just a great throw by Levis yeah. to like fit it over a linebacker before that a safety one on type the of final thing. drive that really started yeah. moving the ball, moving the chains. That one was okay. You know, that, that was a big one. Right, exactly. And and Kyle Phillips, I mean, if he can play like this and and stay healthy, I think the biggest thing for Phillips is staying healthy. And he, he made it through this game healthy. So he led the team in receiving this game, four catches for 68 yards. DeAndre Hopkins right behind him, four for 60. Levis completed passes of over 20 yards seven times to six different receivers in this game. That is like, we're talking about finding explosive plays. That is the explosive plays. I would like to say... um, I would like to cover a couple of the little mistakes he made. And I also want to talk about the interception at the end of the game. So first mistake to me, and I don't know chronologically, maybe this wasn't the first mistake. First mistake to me, besides the the not seeing Hopkins in the red zone that I just mentioned a second ago, was the fourth and four. He throws it deep to Traylon Burks, one-on-one down the left sideline. He had, you know, it's a matchup you like there. Burks against, I think it was Levi Wallace. And Burks last year showed the ability to go up and make contested catches deep down the field. He did it against Green Bay, did it against Cincinnati. Hasn't really done it this year in terms of contested catches. Um, And, you know, thoughts and prayers with Traylon Burks for the injury that looked really bad. He was unconscious on the field for what looked like five minutes, stretchered off the field. Mike Vrabel said he's alert and he's in the concussion protocol now. So I, I doubt we'll see him play for two or three, maybe four weeks here this that's one of the mo- more serious concussions you'll see on, in a football yeah. game. So, um, hearts out to him. But you know, aside from that, I don't want to be insensitive. But aside from that, like Traylon Burks just doesn't look like a quality NFL receiver this year. And all the hype from the offseason, I don't know what happened. Um, you hope he's healthy. You hope he's okay. And me- like his brain, especially like the concussion, you hope he's going to be okay there. I just don't see the Titans. He's not going to contribute much to the Titans this year. But anyway. That was one mistake because he had Kyle Phillips, who we're just talking about, pretty much wide open on that fourth down play. Now, we can berate the coaching staff for not letting Levis throw the ball until it was fourth and four, and you have a a rookie quarterback making his second start. Give him a down to make a mistake. Don't make him be perfect on fourth and four. We're going to come back to that. So that was one mistake. He he took a sack, a a couple, you know, trying to run out of pressure that he probably should have just gotten rid of the ball on before in the final drive of the game where you only have one timeout and if you get sacked, that's basically when you have to use the timeout. And if he'd been able to save that timeout, throw the ball away there, maybe something else happens. And then on the final drive, a lot of people want to talk about how, you know, he threw into, he threw a couple dropped interceptions before he threw an interception. Look in that situation in the game, that is really tough when you're working with so little time and you're driving down the field, by the time you get inside the 25 yard line where they were, the coverage has everything like there's nowhere to go with the football because if you want to throw it short, you're going to run out of time in the game. If you want to take a shot to the end zone, it's like cover three with linebackers in the passing lanes. Like there's literally you can't throw the ball 25 yards down the field when you're within 25 yards of the end zone at that point in the game. He did make the one pass to Chig on the on the sideline to like put them closer. Maybe they could have tried that one more time before he took that end zone shot. But Maybe. I like the aggressiveness going to the end zone. The first, the one that was dropped right before the interception. Uh, I think if he throws that up a little bit more and puts it over the top of that safety who came down and made a play on the ball, you might have a chance at a touchdown. These are things he's going to learn from. I said it on the preview pod. Like he didn't make that big mistake. He didn't really make any mistakes hardly in the Falcons game. So there wasn't as much to learn from. Well, this game, there were a few mistakes, not glaring mistakes. Obviously, an interception that ends the game is not 
never what you want to happen. But like I said, really tough position there. So hard to actually Context, put any blame on yeah. him. I mean, they had yeah, exactly. before you, they had like uh, like three defenders sitting in the end zone, just ready exactly. to drive forward on anything towards the end zone. <laughs> That's an incre- incredibly difficult spot to be in. So I wasn't shocked it ended the way they did. I mean, the, the one before, as I said, that's the first time I think I saw them line up with three defenders right there on the edge of the end zone. Yeah. I'm like, they're just driving forward on anything as they should. Like, this is really easy to play defense in this situation. Exactly. With 15 so you can't seconds blame left, for that. and no timeouts, right? Like it's exactly. So you can't throw the ball short the of that. Exactly. That's your only option. So a lot's going to be made about how he lost the game on an in, on an interception by the people who are not into Will Levis, and I think that that's dumb. So yeah. I just wanted to address it. But like, yeah, there's some mistakes. He's going to learn. He's a rookie. He's going to have those moments. But you know what? The biggest the positives. Was have far outweighed the negatives. Yes. What was the biggest mistake? I mean, it was that throw, the lateral, whatever the heck he was doing. Did that pass not go backwards out of bounds and it looked like a potentially a fumble? He was in the grasp sack and he tried to hit Derrick Henry on like a screen in the flat or whatever it was and threw it behind him and it bounced in play and rolled out of bounds. That was by far the, oh no, you're never doing that again. That was the one. But they ruled him down. They they ruled him down before that happened, so oh, okay. it didn't. Okay, okay, but let letting go of that ball. But he still, I mean, <laughs> he did try to do it though. Yes. Yeah, yeah. My point. <laughs> he tried, like he tried to throw that. I was like, okay, someone will tell him this week to never do that again. Yeah. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, overall, the positives far outweigh the negatives to me, and the Why negatives are more, more just learning moments than they are like glaring issues in his game. If that makes sense. Can't wait to watch him play football again next Sunday against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I I think that's the best thing I can say for a three and five team that I have no hopes of going to the playoffs or winning a Super Bowl. I mean, normally this would be really doom and gloom, right? But for me, there is renewed excitement, right? And I think that's the best thing I can say. I can't wait to watch him play football again. Yeah. So let's talk about the pressures in this game because Will Levis dropped back to pass 40. Will Levis dropped back to pass 43 times, 39 pass attempts, four sacks. Here is, according to PFF, Wes on Broadway, our buddy at Titans Stats, tweeted this out. Total defensive pressures generated uh, Titans versus Steelers. Steelers generated 34 total <laughs> pressures on 44 dropbacks. Now, if you look at some other sites, it's, it's graded a little differently. Like Mike tweeted out, Levis faced pressure on 53% of his dropbacks. Even if that's the number, 53% of his dropbacks, he's under pressure. And most of those pressures are immediate. The fact that he was able to navigate this as well as he did and only take four sacks, a couple of those sacks maybe he shouldn't have taken. But still, the fact that he only took four and, you know, ends up completing 22 of 39 passes, 262 yards. He had a, over 150 yards at halftime, most a lot of which came on that final drive before the half. The fact that the pressure was this much. And Andre Dillard, here are words I never thought. I would utter in my life. <laughs> Andre Dillard is worse than Dennis Daly. Andre Dillard right now. <laughs> Andre Dillard right now through eight games for the Titans leads the NFL in pressures allowed 34 QB hits allowed nine sacks allowed eight. This is another one from our buddy Wes. 44 NFL tackles have more pass blocking snaps than Andre Dillard. And he leads the league in pressures allowed, QB hits allowed, sacks allowed. He was benched in a game. The Titans have already had their bye, and he still leads the league in all of these <laughs> categories. He's only playing because Chris Hubbard is hurt. So it's like, it's not like well, I'm saying bench him again. Like, obviously, when Chris Hubbard comes back, he will be benched. And the injuries in general in this game, Chris Hubbard didn't play at all. NPF goes down a couple times, ends up 
coming back, ends up not coming back. So Dylan Radins has to come in and play for him. Peter Skronsky went down at one point, got up, came back in. Daniel Brunskill toughed out some sort of knee injury, went down, came back in. And Dillard also went down at one point and came back in. And thank God he did, because if, it, if it's not Dillard, it's Jalen Duncan, who uh, honestly scares me more than Andre Dillard, and that <laughs> is saying something. I think we might end up seeing what Jalen Duncan has to offer before the end of this season, because we might have to, based on injuries and stuff like that. But, man, the injuries were brutal, and then just the all these guys toughing it out. I think Aaron Brewer is the only one who didn't go down at any point, and Aaron Brewer actually had a really good game, and he was making crucial blocks in the run game and picking up pass-blocking reps, and he, they did that thing that I broke down in the Titans earlier where he, like, picks up the middle and then spins back around to, to take care of the defensive end, and he did a decent job, a decentish job so, for a center against Alex Highsmith on that play. I noticed that. <laughs> did you notice when he did that? It was I think it was action. when Duncan came into the game. Ah, yes, it was. Yeah, so they helped out Duncan That's on the, why left, they did it. On the left side. It caught so my eye on the broadcast block. immediately. Um, yeah. I'm not going to argue against anything you said about Andre Dillard. Uh, can I give you a counterpoint, <laughs> though? Please. I think if Nicholas Petit-Friere plays the whole game, that he was probably worse. How many He was statistically... Uh, yeah, if you look Petit-Friere at the PFF played? grades... I don't guess. know. How, Just, how I many? want you to guess. I don't want you to look it up. How many snaps, offensive snaps, do you think Petit Freer played? 18. He played 14. I feel like he got beat 18 times somehow on 14 <laughs> snaps. I mean, he got like, he was getting beat more than one. He was terrible. He got a, a pro football focused pass blocking grade. Do you want to guess what it was? I saw it already. I think it was like 9.8. 12.6. 12.6. And look, TJ Watt. One of the best edge rushers in football. If you read the article that I wrote on Broadway a couple of days ago, previewing this game, not that I'm a genius, but boy, it was even worse than I than I thought it might be. I spent the entire article essentially shitting my pants on TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith against Andre Dillard and Nicholas Petit Friere, and it went just as bad as imagined, if not worse. It was really, really. I thought Petit Friere was horrid. Like every snap that I watched, he got beat by the same inside move time and time again. He got beat to the inside every single time. I mean, it was bad. I actually think, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, I thought Dylan Radins came in and kind of played all right, like at least sort of league average play for a right tackle. Like He, hel- he, was, he held his own against one of the best pass rushers yeah, in the league. I thought he was way better than Andre Dillard and Nicholas Petit Friere. Now, that's not saying much because they were both atrocious, but he was way better. And God damn it, I hate that I'm doing this again, but I, I, I st- you know what I'm doing? I don't understand why they won't give him a shot at tackle. And I, I hate do, I hate doing it because there are so many people on Titans Twitter that do it. And usually I'm against those people in these typical conversations <laughs> or arguments. I usually side with the coaching staff. They're smarter than all of us. They they really are. But um, They see him every day in practice. They yes, should know best. They, they clearly and, think he's a guard. They only put him out there because they had no one else, essentially. right? I mean, when he yeah. came in, they could have put it in Duncan. But, I mean, God, that wouldn't have made any sense, right? Like, <laughs> they, they put him in because they had to, essentially. They were down to their third string right tackle, which is what he was. Um, like, Mike Vrabel, during Friday's press conference, talked about the potential of reshuffling things on the O-line. I got the sense it was maybe more due to injury than it was due to, you know, performance. But Chris Hubbard's probably going to be back for that Bucks game, right? He was in the concussion protocol. You've got a mini buy now, right, coming off Thursday night football. So I think we'll get Hubbard back, and they should put him back at right tackle. But I would Agreed. give serious consideration to putting Radins at left tackle as opposed to Petit Friere. I really would. I mean, that that's 
probably what they're going to do is what we expect them to do. Because when they benched Dillard initially, that's who they went to, right? They went to Petit Friere. So with things back to normal, that's probably what they'll go back to. But I really think they should give Raiders a chance. After how bad Petit Friere was in this game, in, in such a small sample size, or maybe they even kick Hubbard to the left, right? If they think Radiance is super comfortable on the right. I mean, Hubbard's played left tackle in his career. I don't get the sense yeah. he'd be completely overwhelmed with making that change. He's a veteran guy. And he's again, he's done it a bunch. So I'm curious to see what's going to come out of all that. I mean, like their hand might be forced due to injury, right? We don't know what the Petit Freire injury was like, the Dillard injury, how Hubbard's going to clear protocol, Brunt's like, there are so many moving pieces to this. So it'll be curious to see where they go, but... I, I've had enough of Nicholas Petit for a year, and I've had enough of Andre Dillard, and I'd be fine if neither of them, you know, played another snap for the Titans this season. Yeah, I mean, those two guys starting this game was the worst tackle duo in the NFL. And yes, and granted, neither shown. of those guys, and like neither, like those those guys are starting out of position. Like that's not where they're gonna start when everyone's healthy. And but that's I I think I said it last week. I'll say it again. I'm trying to look right into the camera, okay? If, you, if you're watching... No, but YouTube, talking to the mic, we can't hear you. Talking to the mic. Though. Damn it, I'm trying to look right into the camera while talking. I'm moving the mic and I look right into the camera. I swear to God, if you complain about them drafting a tackle in the first round, I don't care that they drafted Peter Skaronsky last year at 11, a guard. If you complain about them drafting a tackle in the first round after what you just watched on Thursday and what you've watched all season long, so help you God. I don't know what I'm going to do, but so help you God. This team needs to draft a tackle in the first round. Shame on you, I think is what you're looking for. That's probably the um, worst thing I'm going to do is say shame on you. If you could, because God, I, I just, it's so, it's so glaring. It's, I don't care about all the misses. I don't care how many first round picks they've used online. I don't care about any, I don't, I don't care about Isaiah Wilson. I don't care about Dylan Raiditz. I care about what they need right now. They don't need one. They need two tackles. This They need two starting tackles next year, completely new, that are not on the roster right now. Unless Dylan Raiditz is good. Put Dylan Raiditz a left tackle. That's where he played and in college. Else has that's to get he... hurt for them to even try him. But that's probably going to happen at some point because that's the other thing it's I gotta. want to talk to you about. And I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you talked about the injuries. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and hope that we see some of these backup linemen down the stretch because I want Will. I mean, God, these guys are barely giving Will Levis a chance. They're not giving Will Levis a chance. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if this thing keeps going the way it's going? They lose a bunch of games. These injuries are gonna round up. You know what happens to these guys at the end of the year? I'm out, right? Like I need off-season surgery. I need whatever I need. And all of a sudden, you get into your backup, you know, roster because that's how bad teams end up finishing seasons. Can you imagine this line? I don't want to ruin Will Levis. Can you imagine this ends with, well, Jalen Duncan at left tackle and Corey Levin at left guard and all these other backup, you know, like, God, I don't want that to happen. Yeah, but, I mean, the Steelers have one of the tougher defensive lines the Titans they will do. face this season. So that's that's a factor there. I mean, they got the last four games of the year are Texans, Seahawks, Texans, Jags. Will Anderson looks good for the Texans, but they don't have, like, a ferocious pass rush that anyone's scared of. Seahawks, they just signed Frank Clark, I guess. Maybe that's, like, uh, they don't have anyone I'm that scared of. Uh, I mean, they got a good line now. They rusher. traded for Leonard Williams. They have Draymond Jones. That's true. They did Frank get Frank Clark. Leonard I like Daryl Taylor, ex-Tennessee guy. Like, they got some guys. 
Yeah, but their pa- their best pass rusher, Uchenna Nuosu, is out for the season now. And then the Jags, you know, Josh Allen's playing really well this year, but they don't have anyone else. Trayvon no. Walker's, uh, as far as I'm considered, a bust. So, like, over the last <laughs> four games, I don't think I'm necessarily that scared of, of the, you know, the pressure they're going to face. And Will Levis has shown so far that he's been pretty decent at, like, moving okay. around in the pocket and navigating it. But... So that's just, a, a, I guess, a devil's advocate point to what you're making there. But look, if I'm advocating for Raidens to be a tackle, that means I'm advocating for myself to be wrong and lose a bet with you. So a how much must... year bet. <laughs> and if I recall correctly, and I don't want you to trick the history, but if I recall correctly, you said <laughs> that if Dylan Raidens is a tackle, I get to name your firstborn child. I, that's what I remember. Hmm, I don't remember that. I think that episode's been deleted from the archives, so we don't have proof. (laughs) But that is, I get to name your first portrait, and I might just name it Raiden's. Not Dylan, because Dylan makes more sense as a first name, and if it's a boy or a girl, I don't care. I'm going to name it Raiden's. That's what I'm going to do. First name, (laughs) Raiden's Graver. It's got a nice ring to it. Does it? Um, Okay, so (laughs) while we're talking about injuries here and stuff like that, the defense I almost don't even want to spend too much time on it. Number one, I don't know what happened to the run defense. The run defense over the last four weeks has been a different team, and it's putrid, and it's terrible. And, like, Najee Harris, who had 13 rushing yards last week, comes out and, and is running all over them. Jalen Warren is a pretty talented back himself. In limited, He gets limited touches, but he had a great game, too. These two guys run all over the Titans' defense. So I don't know what's going on with that. Jack Gibbons is a guy who played really well the first few games of the season and lately he's a guy that if the if the second level if sorry if the offensive linemen are able to climb to the second level and make contact with him he's done it's he's out completely washed out of the play can't get off a block like he was great when the titans defensive line was eating up those those blocks at the line of scrimmage and preventing the offensive lineman from climbing to the second level and getting to him and he would shoot a gap and make a nice tackle but when he has to get off a block it is miserable to watch. And even Aziz Alshire got out of, jumped out of position on Najee Harris's touchdown run. I don't know what's going on with the run defense. I don't know if Kevin Byard not being there in the back end to like yell at people. I mean, it's only been one, two games without one, two, one game. Two games. It's only been one game without Byard. Two games. Two games without Byard. Yeah, you're right. Only been two games without Byard in the back end to like yell at people to get in the right spot. So I, I don't even want to blame it on him because they were bad the last two games that Byard was in Tennessee. So run defense. I don't even know what to make of it. It's been terrible, and it's there's something that needs to be fixed there. But on the back end, where when it comes to like the passing defense, look, you got Trey Avery and Eric Garor, an undrafted rookie free agent this year, and an undrafted rookie free agent from the year prior, as your two of three starting cornerbacks because Sean Murphy Bunting is out with a thump. Thump oh, with a injury. P is what was on the injury report all week. They never corrected it last week. It was all it just said thump. Um, so injured thumb for Sean Murphy Bunting and then Roger McCreary with that hamstring still not able to be back in the lineup. That makes a huge difference against you know we I talked about on the preview show that these two these you know this receiving core with George Pickens and uh, Deontay Johnson is is a good group of guys. Now, George Pickens finished with like minus one yards receiving, and that was mostly due to Christian Fulton, who had an excellent game. Excellent game. Quick shout out to Christian Fulton. Targeted seven times. Three in a row. Defending four different, four different players. Allowed four catches for 11 yards. George Pickens, two catches for minus one yard on three targets. So Fulton playing very well right now. Maybe that, you know, second, you know, contract year thing is finally kicking in for him and he's and he's trying to get a second contract with somebody. I don't think it'll be here, but with somebody. Um, but the other two guys, Trey Avery and Eric Garor, replacement level players, maybe below replacement level. I mean, as rook as a rookie undrafted free agent for Garor, that is a really tough spot to be put into. He's a good punt returner, but he's not a good cornerback, at least not right now. Maybe he can get there one day. And then Trey Avery, 
always competitive. He's always there around the ball, but man, the guys just go up and make catches over him like he's not there. And <laughs> it just seems to keep happening to him. So tough, tough stuff for him. Until the defense, until the secondary gets healthy, like you can't expect much more. Kenny Pickett barely attempted to pass beyond five yards down the field last night, and the Steelers are able to score twenty points. Mike tweeted something about that. Mike Herndon, check out his Twitter if you you probably follow him if you listen to this podcast. But um, he's tweeting about it too. So just like I, I the defense played well enough at times, but then they just let like they. I don't even know if they did, honestly, because like the one three they and out they forced was because Kenny Pickett airmailed Deontay John or George Pickett, whoever he airmailed it to somebody. And then another one that they, they got out of a punt on or they forced a punt on was the deep one to Pickens, where Aziz Shire is in coverage. Great coverage, great play, but kind of lucky. He just like throws his left arm up at the last second and <laughs> knocks the ball away um, when Pickens was going to score a touchdown if that ball was two yards out further down the field on the throw. So... I don't know. The defense played really well against Atlanta, and then they come back one week later. Nine total pressures against Pickett. Zero sacks against Broderick Jones in his first start. I thought Harold Landry, who's been playing, you know, he's been coming along in recent weeks, finally starting to look more like himself. Thought he was going to eat Jones alive because he's a big guy, but he doesn't have necessarily the quickness. I thought Harold Landry dipping around the edge was going to be a factor. I thought Jeffrey Simmons coming off the game he had in Atlanta was going to be better than he was. And he made a couple plays in the run game and TR Tart made a couple plays in the run game. But overall, like they allowed too many big runs and they didn't get hardly any pressure on Pickett throughout the whole game. Yeah, I'll make this quick because I mean, I've got thoughts, but I think I can sort of summarize them, you know, fairly easily. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I agree. I don't know what you expect from the secondary right now. Like I thought Christian Fulton played really well. Like you said, three good, very good games in a row. I wanted to highlight for him. It's not just this one. He was very good against Atlanta. He was pretty good against Baltimore a couple weeks ago as well. But when I, when I look around, yeah, I mean, Trey Avery is not a starting caliber corner and, and Eric Guerra is certainly not a starting caliber nickel. And then you'll get some of the other issues too. Like uh, Terrell Edmonds is not a good player in coverage by any stretch of the imagination. I think we saw that. Uh, they, they really missed Sean Murphy bunting. They really missed Roger McCreary. And, you know, we talk, I, I don't think Kevin Byard, you know, was having a great year, like we said, but they, I, I'd be crazy to say they don't miss him. He's better than Terrell Edmonds is, right? Like, so yeah, yeah I, I'm not surprised the secondary had the day that it was, or the day that it had, excuse me. And I'm not super disappointed in them because it's, it's sort of what I expected. Who I am very disappointed in is the defensive line. And you talked about the run yeah. stopping. I'm not going to get too much into it because I thought it was bad. I'm not going to get into it because I don't have an answer. It's just guys losing, right? Like I don't necessarily know why it's happening per se. Guys got to win. They got to execute. What I'm more disappointed in and I have got more answers for is the pass rush. I think that's what confuses me because secondary being the way it is, they also, you know, hung them out to dry. I think the pass rush did, and they didn't do them any favors, right? Like they secondary could have had a better game potentially if the pass rush was getting home, it was not getting home. And that's an injured quarterback. There who's got, bruised ribs or whatever he has that you should have been excited to tee off on. And one thing I haven't seen enough uh, mentioned enough, sorry, you said nine pressures. I mean, this is not a good offensive line. Don't confuse. It is not good. It's better than the Titans, but it's not good. It's like 20th or worse than the NFL, maybe 25 or worse. They've been trying to get that thing right for years and they haven't. They had a rookie right tackle starting his first career game. As you said, they should have been able to tee off on him sort of how they teed off on our tackles. Right, but we they didn't tee off on him. They've got who, who's the left tackle there? Is it Dan Moore Jr.? Like it's it's not a good starting left tackle. They've invested a ton of money into the interior. James Daniels hasn't met the, the expectations of the contract. 
Isaac Sumalo, the guard they brought over from Philly, is a pretty good player. But overall, this is not a good offensive line. It is still in shambles. They have not been able to get it right for years. It's extremely disappointing. They only had nine pressures on this O-line. Who's protecting an injured quarterback, I want to emphasize. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, uh, It's disappointing. But at the end of the day, maybe it's better. Maybe it's better this way. Let Levis play with a bad defense so he can actually throw it, like, have to be forced to air it out. And we'll well, get to he's going to gonna, he's gonna have to, I think, down <laughs> the stretch here. Yeah. Let him, let's see what Levis can do when he when he has to throw the ball a lot and make more. We talked about this on the recap and on the preview a little bit, that Levis hadn't been put in any any situations where he had to make a play, that, that you know, trailing in the game, let's go see if you can score. And this is where I want to get into the play calling here because yeah. we can talk about the, uh, the sequence right before halftime in a second, but... Four minutes left in the game. You're down by four. You get an amazing punt return or kickoff return because of a penalty that backs up the kickoff. kickoff. Tajay Spears does a great job getting the ball almost to the 50-yard line. You You got to go 50 yards to win this game. I'm sorry. 50 yards with a quarterback that's playing well and that you're excited about. Exactly. A guy who's been slinging darts all around the field, navigating pressure, handling the line of scrimmage. And you come out and you start with an end around to a guy who hasn't shown that he can make a play this year. He, I, he did have a 75-yard catch at one, one point. Play. But a guy who hasn't really been able to make a play very much play this year. Game. Yeah. Um, he did actually make a play on the end around. He beat a guy to the edge and he picked up like five or six yards. He made it. It was a positive play. It's fine. Whatever. It's I not the play the I would have called in that situation. I hate the call. Yeah, absolutely hate the call. You either put the ball in the king's hands there and let him do something on first and 10 when the defense is expecting that you're going to be moving quickly and passing the ball and maybe you get some room for Henry. Or you put the ball in your rookie quarterback's hands and you say, look, we need you to make a play, Will. This is why we drafted you. Go out there and make a play. Anyway, they end up running it three times in a row. And the third down run, third and four, I believe it was. Yep. They hand the ball off to Tajay Spears, not even to Derrick Henry. Tajay Spears has been great. Tajay Spears has been good, so I'm not like trying to like say you shouldn't give him the ball because he he needs a chance to make plays too. But what a draw! Vrabel talked about this in uh, the Thursday press conference. He said, "Look, we we knew we're in four down territory, so we thought maybe we catch him off guard with a third and four run play. They they're expecting pass. He maybe gets us closer to a man, more manageable fourth down conversion attempt, or he just picks it up and we keep going with the drive." I get that from a philosophical standpoint. And it's I've one seen of the, it the keys. I've seen other teams call the same. Hundred percent. It's one of like the the tenets of the air raid offensive philosophy, which the Titans don't run by any stretch. But one of the tenets of that is that you play against, you know, you you catch the defense out of what they're expecting. If their defense is playing like it's third and four to go, and that's it, and the offense is playing like you got two downs to get that four yards, then your playbook is totally opened up, and you can get attack the defense in ways they're not expecting. Like philosophically, it totally works. What doesn't work is when you don't convert it, and your rookie quarterback who has started one game, and this is his second start ever, he needs a chance to make a mistake that doesn't basically lose you the game in that moment. And the fact that they, I, this is what I mentioned earlier, the fact that they don't let him throw the ball until fourth and four, they don't put the ball in his hands until it's fourth down, do or die moment, and he did make a mistake there. I mean, he gave his guy a chance down the field, Traylon Burks down the sideline. That was the play that Traylon got hurt on. I thought he pushed it a little outside, though, to be honest. He pushed it a little outside. He threw it a little too far to the sideline. Same kind of thing he did when he was looking for Traylon down the field yep. in the in the Falcons yep. game. Just a little bit too far to the sideline. You know, he had a, he he did something not like that. He, when he hit Hopkins for his first touchdown last week, he did the opposite. He put the ball in play and let his receiver come back in the field to make a play on it. In this this one, he didn't do that. And he missed a wide open Kyle Phillips who, 
Now, he was under pressure. He kind of had to get rid of the ball, and Phillips was coming open a little late. But Phillips was coming open on the little slant crosser over the middle of the field, a few yards beyond the sticks. That would have kept the drive alive and would have kept things going. Would have been a huge play for the Titans. But the fact that that was it, like if that was the third down play, and then you have fourth and four, and you can get, you know, Will Evans can reset and be like, dang, I, I, as I was fl- releasing the ball, I noticed Phillips was coming open. Like I could have been a slightly more patient and hit him and gotten that first down and not been so aggressive in that moment. That to me is coaching failure. I get the philosophy of wanting to, you know, to try to catch the defense off guard, but you got to give Levis a chance. I was so excited just as a Titans fan in that moment. Like, all right, Will Levis, four minutes to go. He's got to go about 50 yards and score a touchdown. Let's see what he's got. And then it's end around, handoff, handoff. (laughs) And it's like, what the hell? What is that? What are we doing here? Like, and then the next time he touches the ball, he's got a minute and 20 to go like 90 yards or something like that to to score a touchdown at that point. One time out. At that point, the game is essentially over because, you know, and he got him closer than yeah, I thought they'd get. He did. And what you're really relying on at that point is that the defense busts a coverage and makes a mistake because there's no way that you just, if they play sound, there's no way you drive down the field and score a touchdown in that instance, unless somebody makes an uh, unhuman heroic play where they go up and snatch the ball away from right. a defender or something crazy. Like you, you would need someone to make an, an incredible play to come out on top in that situation. So your best chance was that four-minute drive from only 50 yards out, by the way. it's not You're not backed up at your own 20. No. The fact that they didn't even let Levis have that chance was just really disappointing. And you know that I'm always hesitant to blame play calling, right? Like, it's I, I tend to think execution yeah. over play calling. And I want to be careful not to contradict myself here because I, I it's always important, I think, to analyze process over results, right? So, for example, yeah. although the Traylon Burks end-around wasn't a disaster, um, you know, but the, I hate the process, right? I, I hate the process, but by all, all means, again, a guy that really has made one play all year earlier, had an opportunity to break a tackle, make a guy miss in space when we, when he, when Levis hit the hot, as we talked, uh, didn't do that. He hasn't done it all year. No way in hell. I'm giving him that end around. Okay, fine. But he gets you in second and five. Sure. Whatever it was second and six. I understand running another, another running play there at that point. Right. So let's see if we can pick up this first down or get into, or get ourselves into third and manageable. You do get yourself into third and manageable. I think third and four it qualifies as third and manageable. Um, I hate hate the draw call. I agree. I get what you're saying from a philosophical a philosoph- a philosophical standpoint. I, I I get that, but I still hate the process there because for me, when we're in four down territory and it's third it's third and four, I am never going to give my quarterback only one chance to make a play. And honestly, I don't even care who that quarterback is, even if he's a really good one. I'm always going to give yeah. him two chances because I hate the thought where if he doesn't get it on the one attempt, the game is over. No, it's third and four. It's a manageable situation. I am giving him two opportunities to convert that and move the chains. And hopefully I'm only hopefully I only need one opportunity because I get it on third down. But you know what? I'm coaching to protect myself, right? If I don't get it there on third down, third and four, I'm giving him another chance to go get it. And you know what? If he can't get it, I go home and I sleep peacefully at night. Because I tell myself I gave my quarterback two chances to get it. He didn't get it. Oh, well, right? We tried. It is what it is. But for me, I'll never understand the thought process for giving them one chance to pick it up. And I, I, I know you're, you know, you're hoping you catch them off and you get the first, you catch them off guard, you get the first down. I, I don't like it. No matter what, I don't like it. I'm throwing the ball both times in that situation. 
I agree. If it's fourth, if it's third and one, and then it leads to fourth and one, sure. totally different ball yeah, game. Run totally the ball. different scenario. Third and one, sure. But third and four there, I mean, the defense knows it's four down territory. I think that's the big disconnect here is Mike Vrabel's True. like, well, we thought we could catch him off guard, them thinking that we're yeah. going to punt they on didn't fourth. Look You're not punting on fourth. They didn't look yeah, shocked. <laughs> You're down by four points with under four minutes to go from the 50. You're you're not punting in that situation, unless yeah. you are Mike Vrabel against the Ravens a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but the the point is, like, that was a bad... I, I want to talk... Let's move on. That We covered that. Yeah. Good job, us. I want to talk about right before halftime. This was Will Levis' best drive of the game, was the, the two-minute drill before halftime. Starts off with a short pass to Spears. Then he hits Hopkins over the middle for nine yards. Then he hits it deep to Kyle Phillips for 24 yards. Next play, hits it deep to Kyle Phillips for 21 yards. Then he's looking deep for Hopkins. It's not there. And then the next play should have been a touchdown. Will Levis throwing to Tajay Spears out of the backfield. He, he, he runs out of the pocket. He, he floats one to Spears. Spears inexplicably turns his back to the down, turns back to the, like he's in a backpedal now. And instead of like, turning all the way around and running through the ball, he continues to backpedal and he puts his hands up and stumbles backwards and falls down. The ball bounces incomplete. Now, did Will Levis throw a slightly inaccurate pass here? Was this ball too far to the inside when it should have been to his outside shoulder? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But it was a very catchable ball. Tajay Spears can spin all the way around. And sure, maybe it's not the easiest catch in the world, but this is an NFL athlete who's touted as a good pass-catching running back we're talking about here. If he runs through the ball, that's a touchdown. Titans go up by seven at halftime instead of by three. Will Levis, yeah, that was, the ball was slightly too far inside. There's a lot of debate on Twitter right now over whose fault this play was. I'm putting 95% of this on Tajay Spears and Me 5% too. on Will Levis. Like, ma- make an adjustment and make a play for your quarterback. It doesn't open, have to be perfect every ca- time. You're open and it's a catchable ball, and you stumbled, right? Like, I think the blame yeah. should be, feels pretty clear to me, right, who the blame should be yeah. on, so... Exactly. Like you don't ever backpedal down the field unless the ball is severely underthrown and maybe Spears just horribly misjudged it and that's what happened. But the point is Will Levis had what should have been a touchdown pass on that play. Next play, third and nine from the 19 yard line with 25 seconds left and a timeout. You still have a timeout. The Titans call a give up handoff play to set up a field goal before halftime. Your quarterback just had the best drive he's had all night. He just threw what should have been a touchdown pass the play before. You still have a timeout. Even if you're worried that your offensive line can't protect and he's going to give up a sack, you're at the, the, the 20, you're at the 19 yard line. He takes a 10 yard sack. You're still a very makeable field goal range. You complete a pass inbound short of the sticks. You still have the timeout and get that field goal. You complete a pass beyond 10 yards. You can call timeout. You get one shot to the end zone before you have to kick that field goal. There is no reason to not give him the chance. Be aggressive. Don't play not to lose. Play to win. You play to win the game. Play to win. I don't understand this. And Mike Vrabel was asked specifically about this. Do you know what explanation he gave? Oh, well, we were in a, a similar situation in the Browns game. And uh, I don't even remember what happened in this situation in the Browns game. Was this the strip sack that led to... Was this just a sat instant sack that ended the half? I think the time expired the on them, didn't it? Like they took a yeah, sack this and they was didn't a, have a timeout and they couldn't get the field goal. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense because in this situation you have you a timeout. Time out. Yep. It's a different situation. Are you wor- are you that worried that Will Levis is going to get strip sacked that you're not that you're going to lose possession completely? I, I, I'm, Tell your quarterback before the play, protect the ball on this play. We're going to give you one shot. Don't turn it over no matter what you do. Don't I, turn it over. I don't think they're concerned about a strip sack. And look, I don't have a ton to Are add they to concerned this about 
I fully agree with you. Are they you. concerned about an interception? Are they concerned he's going to throw an interception uh, there and you're not going to get any thinking. points? I'm thinking, you know what? It's, still, it's almost similar to the play at the end of the game where the Steelers are probably yeah. playing to protect the end zone. So you're worried about taking an end zone shot because the safety gets to drive forward on whatever you're throwing in that threat. Like That's the one thing that comes. Or uh, the opposite. You, you get the completion. You call timeout. Now you don't have any timeouts. You take a sack on the next play, whatever. And you, you get like, that's probably whatever. what they're worried about. But I agree. Be aggressive. And you know what? They needed those points, right? You needed to take that shot. Yeah. You ended up needing to lose I, by I four. Other stuff <laughs> happened in the second half that changed that situation, right? I understand. But I, I think they should have been aggressive. I, I mean, I was watching I, as soon as it had, as soon as I saw the third and nine handoff, I went, oh, wow. I mean, talk about cowardly. Yeah, cowardly. Exactly. Playing not to lose. And Mike Vrabel said after the game, like, those points were just, I felt those points were too important. We had to get them. You could have gotten them, man. You call, you go for it. You could have gotten seven. Call a pass play there. Those points would have been. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, give me a break with this. And now, this is not an anti-Mike Vrabel podcast. You and I both believe Mike Vrabel's a very good coach. There's Absolutely. just some things he's got to... But he's not I mean, perfect. No one he, is. I mean... Uh, one of my favorite tweets I saw on Twitter last night from our, our buddy Rob on Broadway, Robert Greenlaw. Mike Vrabel always talks about, just don't do dumb stuff that hurts the team. <laughs> He said, this qualifies as dumb stuff that hurts the team. And I agree. Like, this yeah. is just being way too conservative. And I get it. On the road, rookie quarterback, second career start, hostile environment, ferocious pass rush, banged up offensive line. Yeah, I, I do get all of that. But I still think you give up, like I said, you give up a sack there. You throw a pass short of the sticks. Look, the difference between this and the end of the game that you just said, you know, you're worried about that pass to the end zone being driven on and intercepted or whatever, then don't throw it to the end zone. Yeah. Throw it to the 10-yard line. Pick up the first down. Call timeout. You still have – there was 19 seconds left before – there was 25 seconds left yeah. before the now snap. Now it's different, right? 25 they, seconds. You get that down to the 10-yard line, you're closer. They don't really get that same opportunity to drive forward per se, right? right. That's more of a coverage situation now. And if, if that play takes eight seconds, you still have 17 seconds. You have a shot to the end zone. Even if you get sacked, you put potentially could spike the ball and kick the field goal there. I mean, 17 seconds is about the cutoff point. So, like, there is a chance that, that even then they would have been okay and still been able to kick the field goal. You can get the field goal in that situation whenever you want it. Why take it on third down, basically? And Mike Vrabel even said, if he, if he busts that run there and scores through, then maybe we have a chance to keep going. Yeah, what if Will Levis completes a pass there? He's been throwing darts all game. That's the same thing at the end of the game, too, right? What if we break off a run on the draw? Well, maybe yeah. put the ball in the quarterback's hands, and you know it, it might have been a different story. And like I said, I, I'm not one to typically get on play calling, but that one absolutely deserved it. That, that those two sequences were were very very poor from a decision making standpoint, and they got what they deserved. In, in all honesty, yeah. right? Like that's just the way it goes. And you talked, I said, like when I said coaches do this shit all the time around the league, and this is, you know, we're very pro Mike Vrabel. I want to give you one example. And it, this sounds like I'm going off on a tangent. I'm not going to keep it long. If this was a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, this is the type of stuff I'm talking about. We probably sit here complaining uh, on that first and 23 that we're, you know, praising Will Levis for making that throw. Probably shouldn't have Cole Holcomb on DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like that's yeah, what and- we'd be talking about if this was a Steelers podcast. Poor Cole Holcomb. It looked like his leg broke in half. Oh, he broke his direction. he broke his Jesus leg just trying to cover DeAndre Hopkins down the field, right? Like he Poor just guy. couldn't couldn't keep up with yeah. him at all, right? Like it's just. But that I mean, it, this, you, know, you but see what I mean? Also on right? that this play, Steelers podcast, we're complaining about that. Also position. on that play, also on that play, they dropped TJ Watt into coverage. So see what I mean, we talk about making about, Will Levis. Remember when Harold Landry <laughs> was covering in the Ravens game a couple weeks? Like yeah. every coach does it. All thirty-two of them do it. Right, so you're always gonna have something like, to complain about. But the play calling. 
like they couldn't block TJ Watt and now you get him backed up first and 23 and you have a chance possibly to get a safety because he's thrown out of his own end zone. And instead of rushing your best pass rusher, they can't block. He drops into coverage. And honestly, if Watt was rushing on that play, we might be talking about a totally different game here, but but you see my credit point. to Titans for taking advantage. You can complain yeah. about all thirty-two. It's never perfect. It's never going to be perfect. But certainly the play calling, the decision making on those two crucial, crucial sequences in a four-point loss, uh, it, it really did cost them an opportunity to win the game. Absolutely did. All right, Justin, we've been going for almost an hour. Anything else? That is all. We'll be back uh, early next week to preview the Tampa Bay Bucks game and hopefully fawn over will levis some more yeah exactly and i will be doing my darndest to get a film breakdown up i'm gonna put both games together now since i didn't have a chance to do the falcons game why not just his best plays from the falcons and the steelers put them in one video put it out that'll be coming to you hopefully sometime this weekend we'll see um <laughs> all right that will do it for us here at music city audible thanks for listening to the end we appreciate everyone make sure you're subscribed to the youtube channel at music city audible podcast on youtube follow us there follow justin on twitter at justin m underscore nfl Follow me at Titans Film Room. Until next time, y'all stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.